Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we begin this episode of The Conversation Piece, I want to tell you about a new podcast focusing on a conversation many of us are having right now. With physical distancing rules in place, many Canadians are using the internet to connect in all sorts of new ways, while many others still are without access to high-speed internet. To find out what needs to be done to make sure that Canadians have the connectivity they need for the future, subscribe to Bandwidth on your favourite podcast player. It's the show with the gorgeous blue artwork. You'll be glad you did. As many kids head off to school, in whatever form that takes for them in the midst of a pandemic, it's easy to pass off the issue of education to the actual humans involved, the parents, the kids, and the teachers. But according to Annie Kidder, we all need to be thinking about educating the next generation of Canadians. Welcome to the conversation piece. This is Annie Kidder, Executive Director of People for Education. Hello, thank you very much. My name is Annie Kidder and I'm the Executive Director of People for Education. And I feel like my job here tonight is to kind of connect some dots. Um, and it's partly because I come from the world of education and schools, and that world is, is oddly, and I'll explain the odd part in a minute, it's oddly often left out of conversations like this. But if we think about cities and communities and, and how we could do a better job at ensuring that cities and communities thrive, that they are able to be resilient, as this talk is about, um, or this evening is about, then probably, to me anyway, people would be a good place to start. And when we think about people, um, it's probably a good idea to go back to the where people start. And they people start at the very beginning, and then very quickly that conversation gets to school. That's where a lot of people, from being very young, end up. Um, 95% of Canada's children uh, who are going to grow up to be the adults who live in and run and build our cities and our communities, 95% of those kids uh, who are going to be the next generation of society are educated in our publicly funded schools. And it's really important then that that all of us, not just parents, not just teachers, not just people who work inside the education system, that all of us think about uh, what our publicly funded schools look like, what they're doing, and what kind of skills that they're building so we can have the cities and communities we want. So we want to know, we should want to know. Um, what kind of skills this, our schools are building, what kind of capacities they support, what kind of values our schools are developing. And we should want to know how much resilience our schools are kind of growing uh, in our kids. Because all of these things um, have an impact, and the impact, again, is not just on those kids or on the parents of those kids, but the impact is on our whole society. 
So if we all, which I think we do, uh, want cities that can thrive, and maybe even more importantly, if we all want cities where everybody has at least a fairly equitable chance to prosper, and I mean prosper in the sort of biggest possible sense of that word, um, then we have to make sure that we're building, if you will, the right kind of kids. We have to really look at what kind of people we're building in those schools, and if we're, get, we're going to get what we want and need um, for our cities and our communities, our province, our country. For the last two or three decades, um, we've had a pretty narrow focus in our schools and in our education systems, and it's been partly based on what we measure. Uh, we have things we can measure, we're looking at that, and we, we, we work on them. We decided, for lots of very important reasons, to focus on what we've called the core skills, literacy and numeracy, and we've set standards and we've built a lot of policy around uh, those skills, we've spent a lot of money, we have targets for success uh, in those areas, and partly as a result of all that, um, we're, we're, we've seen quite a lot of improvement all across the country. We're doing pretty well in those areas. But the problem with that, um, and it goes without saying that being able to read and write and do math are vitally important skills. I'm not saying they're not important. They are very important. But the problem with that is that by focusing so narrowly on those goals and targets, we've actually ended up kind of narrowing the very definition of education. Um, and then that creates two other problems, at least two. There are probably a million other problems, but it creates two very important ones. The first problem is that even though Canada does a better job than most other countries in the world at, at overcoming the impact of socioeconomic status on kids' chances for success, we have a fairly equitable education system in that way in terms of the gap. So even though we do a pretty good job in Canada, it's still the biggest indicator. If you're poor, you come for, if you come from a family living in poverty, you are less likely to succeed in school. It is a fact. Um, and this is where resilience, the first instance of a re resilience, this is where resilience is incredibly important because resilience can help uh, overcome those intergenerational cycles of poverty. Problem number two with that narrow focus is that it doesn't take into account all of the things that we know now that are, are incredibly important for kids' long-term success, for their sense of engagement and belonging, uh, their health, their physical and mental health, their sense of social responsibility, their ability to live, to be active citizens, their ability to get uh, and keep a job or multiple jobs, and their capacity to live with precarity, my new favorite word. Um, and these days, in these very precarious times, that capacity is incredibly important, and resilience is part of that capacity. So the problem with that narrow focus is it leaves out this raft of other vital skills, and resilience is a key piece of those skills. Now, sadly for resilience, um, is it lives in a family of skills. 
that unfortunately ended up being called soft skills or non-cognitive skills or social-emotional skills, which makes them sound not very important or kind of nice, but you know something we'll do if we have time later. Um, and it certainly doesn't make them sound as important as, for instance, knowing your times tables, which is important. But the, the thing is that it turns out that they're all important, and they're equally important. It's not right to say, we've got to get this one first and then we'll do the rest. The Conference Board of Canada says, it is important that the next generation possess a broad range of skills that supports their ability to think, learn, communicate, collaborate, and innovate. So, the big question then to us is, so what can we do to ensure we're providing all the right skills? And at People for Education, the organization that I am heading, uh, we've launched a new initiative called Measuring What Matters. And we're working with experts from across the country uh, and in consultation with everybody we can consult with um, to come up with a broader range of goals and skills, uh, goals and measures um, of success in education. Um, and the areas that we are looking at, the goals and measures we're looking at, are creativity and innovation, citizenship, health, writ large, social-emotional skills, and resilience is a huge part of those social-emotional skills. And just as education is, again, oddly, often left out of conversations about cities and communities or the country or the economy, um, especially public education, K-12 education, Education usually leaves all you out of the conversation about education. Uh, it's actually hard to engage in a conversation from our little tiny group with this big group that's thinking very big things about what they want our world to look like. So we need uh, to do this together. We need to connect all of the dots when we're thinking about cities, communities, uh, a fair society. And we need to think about the kinds of kids that we're growing in our schools so that they can help ensure that in the next generation or in a few years, we all live in cities and communities uh, that are great, that are strong, and that are resilient. Thank you very much. Annie Kidder spoke at the Walrus Talks Resilience in 2014. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider donating to the Walrus. We're a registered charity that relies on our community of donors and sponsors to produce compelling journalism, events, and podcasts. Learn more about how your support can make an impact at thewalrus.ca slash donate. And we're coming up with a plan to deliver you the Walrus Talks at home. Sign up for our weekly newsletters to stay in touch at thewalrus.ca slash newsletters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.